0: Hi, and welcome to Why Do We Do That, a psychology podcast that deconstructs human behavior from the perspective of social scientists, psychologists, and others that use applied psychology in their work. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Moyer. In this episode, I sit down with Dr. Belle Cooper. Belle earned her PhD in experimental psychology from Florida Atlantic University, uh, which is also where I earned my PhD. She specializes in psychometrics, which basically involves the ins and outs of measuring psychological constructs. And she also specializes in personality and social psychological research. She is currently an assistant professor of quantitative methods and business analytics in the Lynn University College of Business. She's also a senior statistical consultant at Stevens Strategy. We had an in-depth conversation about the idea of measuring personality in human beings. Specifically, we talked about the types of personality measures that are out there, uh, what they're good at, what they're not good at. We spent a lot of time discussing the big five uh, uh, measure of personality in particular and taking a deep dive into some of those traits like extroversion and introversion. We talked about Uh, Some of the new ways to measure personality, uh, some of the new methods, uh, so specifically measuring personality in real time, as well as measuring personality using social media, uh, because most personality historically has been assessed using paper and pencil measures uh, about individual behaviors, and only recently have we been able to to look at personality using these, these newer methods. And we also talked about uh, the predictive ability of some of these personality measures, which I was really glad we got to touch on because I think personality measures are far more interesting when you can actually see them predict behavior in real life. So, for example, if I score uh, very low on agreeableness on the big five, does that mean that I actually get into more arguments with people in real life Um, if I score high on extroversion do do I actually reach out to my social network uh, for support more often than people who are introverted and even though those are essentially just made up examples the answer does appear to be yes that these paper and pencil measures of traits uh, are very good at predicting what people do in the real world, and so it was a, f- a fun conversation. And I hope you enjoy it. All right, so we're here with Bell Cooper. Uh, so Bell, you're a you're a personality uh, researcher, and I yeah. think I think that the the public has a pretty reasonable awareness of personality psychology. They've probably taken personality questionnaires before. Um, so, um, you know, there are a lot, there are the popular ones like the MMPI, uh, the big five. Um, there's also the Myers-Briggs out there, which I'm guessing is one of the more popular, uh, yeah. ones that the average person might be aware of, which is sort of the, uh, the intuitive judging thinking, uh, it basically categorizes you on four different dimensions. Uh, and of course the most uh, the most useful personality measure is the alignment of the stars when you were born. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> um,
0: but so, so the public has an idea of, of, of what a personality survey looks like. Mm-hmm. So my first question is like what, what separates a good personality, uh, survey from a bad one?
1: Yeah. So, uh, Let's, let let me get this out of the way first. Uh, you know, the public has a perception of personality, uh, and it goes by a bunch of different names. So depending on what field you're in, depending on what website you're looking at, who you're talking to, it goes by so many different names. We all kind of have this idea that personality is something uh, about our psychological processes that differ us from other people. Um, it goes by names like your values, your personal attributes, character um in the field of education they're calling them non-cognitive traits now we, we have traits we have types so we have all these names for it uh, but it all kind of means like the same thing we're, we're, we're trying to figure out differences between people here um, based on something psychological um, but uh you know personality the word personality scares a lot of people away from it because like the classic way of understanding it is that personality is this fixed thing, like you're born with one per- personality, you have that personality your whole life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, right. And there so, is yeah, like, it's, it,
0: childhood, it's you. You hear temperament, I guess, is one of the right. terms that you yeah, kind of, yeah, you know, yeah,
1: and that relates that kind of to... develops into your personality, <clears> right? Yeah. And there, I mean, there is evidence that personality is consistent throughout your whole life. People generally uh, have very similar personalities as children, as they, uh, as they do as adults. Um, but people do change, you know, um, for, for one thing, we all kind of change in the same way. Uh, like as you get older, you get a little bit more conscientious, um, harder working, more, more dedicated. Um, you prefer a more, a smaller group of friends. You don't go out a lot and make a lot of new friends as you get older. Um, people change from life events like marriage, divorce, death, um, traumatic life experiences. And then people can, I mean, some people actually try to change and they make purposeful change. That's, that's hard to do. But people do it. Um, so starting out rather than, uh, thinking of personality as something fixed in your brain, it makes more sense practically to divine, to, to define uh, personality as like a summary of our behaviors. So, um, a lot of these tests when they're measuring your personality, they're really asking you like, how do you behave day to day? Like on average, uh, what, what defines you? How, what, what is your behavior? Um, so like things like, do you like going out to parties? Do you like meeting new people? Do you like making new friends? If you say yeah to a lot of those questions, we would probably call you highly extroverted. And that's not necessarily saying that there's something in your brain that's causing you to be, uh, extroverted. Maybe there is, but we haven't been able to measure that yet. Um, but so why, do
0: you, why do you think there's so, so why are there so many uh, different measures? Because I've, I have conversations, you know, having a background in social psychology, I have conversations with people about, you know, all these personality questionnaires and stuff like that. And um, I know you use the big five um but you have reasons why you use the big 5 because it's um it because of, there are uh psychological measurement reasons why you prefer that scale mm-hmm. over some other scales. Yeah.
1: Um
0: is there is there a particular reason why why you use yeah. the big 5?
1: So which measure you're picking depends on your goals. Um so there's a lot of different aspects of psychology that we can measure or personality that we can measure. Um, you mentioned the MMPI. So that's, that's more for like psychopathology. So that, um, like clinicians will use that to help diagnose psychological disorders. We see things like, um, depression in there, hysteria, paranoia, like a lot of these things that are usually kind of abnormal, uh, uh traits. Um, so we also use the MMPI for things like um, high stress jobs. So like we can give the MMPI to, to people who are about to be hired for jobs that are going to be super stressful. We want to make sure that they're actually like stable and able to handle stressful situations like pilots or air traffic controllers or policemen. Um, so and it then has, there's some, it yeah. has it has
0: items related to uh, anxiety some related, yeah, yeah. some, some, uh, schizophrenia related items. Do you, you know, do you see, do you see the, do you see that elephant over there? That's, that's question. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 So it's, it's meant to diagnose um, or help diagnose some of these extreme things that, that people experience. Um, you know, the other goals, People have for choosing different measures. There's some that are specifically designed for the workplace. Um, so there's a lot of uh, measures that are meant to assess like your values and your motives and maybe occupational preferences. Um, and then again, some some that are not clinical that are meant to measure your temperament and your like how emotionally stable you are. Um, some put you into categories. So you mentioned the Myers-Briggs, they kind of, it it puts you into boxes. Um, Some give you scores on a bunch of different dimensions. So the big five is one of those that gives you scores on a bunch of different dimensions. Um, It does not put you into boxes. It it says everybody has some level of all of these dimensions and then you get rated on kind of a continuum uh, to your level of each dimension. Um, so what are the, what them, are
0: those dimensions on the, on the big five?
1: Yeah. So the uh, mnemonic device or, or what I, I forget what it's called, anagram. No. The pneumon uh,
0: I think mnemonic device is correct. Okay. <laughs> is
1: Is uh, the word ocean. <laughs> so, that, is, uh,
0: that is an acronym. Yes.
1: Acronym. Oh man. Okay. See, I'm, I'm not a linguist. I'm a psychologist. Uh, so um, Using the word ocean, each of the letters correspond to one of the dimensions. So O is openness. Um, So that's kind of your level of how much you appreciate art and how um, like, and you like talking about your emotions and your imaginative and um, your intellectual curiosity. Uh, Then there's uh, conscientiousness. So that's how disciplined you are, how hardworking you are. Um, Are you able to control your impulses? How detail oriented you are? Um, and then, uh, extroversion. So how social or outgoing you are. Um, are you enthusiastic? Do you dominate the conversation? Do you like to be the leader? Do you like to be the center of of attention? Then we have agreeableness. Um, that's like how kind you are and, and generous. And do you trust others really easily? Uh, how flexible are you? Are, Are you, are you willing to compromise? And then we have neuroticism, uh, the last one. And that's, really about emotional instability or um, how quick you are to anger we see things like anxiety and depression correlate a lot with that um, and everybody gets a score on one of these and you can and you can score uh, from low to high and um, they correspond to a lot of different life outcomes
0: okay now so let's uh, uh, we'll bounce around between those, those factors. Let's start with, the, um, probably, and I would say the most popular is this, this extroversion versus introversion piece, this dimension. Um, I think it's the easiest for it's, it's, it's a, it's commonplace nowadays to talk about, you know, Oh, I'm extroverted or I'm introverted or uh, the reason why I'm not coming out to meet you guys is because I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm too, I'm too introverted. I don't want to, uh, that's too, too big of a group for me. Um, uh, so with that dimension, um, mm-hmm. I think there's there's a little bit of confusion, right? So um, the stereotype is that introverts don't like to socialize and extroverts like to socialize. But uh, is, that, is that the case?
1: Okay, so this is such a great question and this is why there's so much confusion um, among the the audience for personality psychology. Um, What we're talking about here is really what we define as types versus traits. Um, So when you're saying either you're an extrovert or you're an introvert, that's a type, that's a personality type that's putting you into boxes. You are you are an extrovert. You, we expect you to always be outgoing and sociable. We expect you to always like big parties and um, we expect you to want to lead a group and, and be the most talkative. Um, and then introversion, and the opposite. Um, that's, that's not necessarily practical because people do vary uh, across situations in how much they display these sorts of traits. Uh, so this is why So going back to why we would choose specific measures, uh, this is one of the things that we need to think about when we're actually measuring personality. Um, Do we wanna use types versus traits? Um, When we're thinking about types, This is, again, putting yourself into little boxes. Uh, The Myers-Briggs is one of the things that does this. Uh, Clifton Finder, if you've heard of that. Uh, Which Simpsons character are you? Which ice cream flavor are you? These are all type tests. These are things that are just going to define you uh, and and generalize your entire personality based on one thing. Um, So types are more like this qualitative thing. They put you into boxes. And then traits are more of a quantitative measurement. traits are measured on continuous dimensions. So rather than being an extrovert versus an introvert, uh, you can fall anywhere on that continuum. So um, personality dimensions, all of the dimensions, at, we see continuously that they end up falling on a bell curve. So a bell curve, you've probably seen it before. It's that uh, it looks like the shape of a bell. It's a density distribution or the normal distribution with that hump in the middle, and it gets really narrow on the ends. Uh, types don't allow for that. Types don't allow any type of uh, variability on e- any of these dimensions. So, you know, you 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 hear things like the extrovert and introvert, uh, or... Uh, sometimes we call this person an ambivert, um, this is, this is more of a, a trait than a type. This is allowing for some of that, those differences across situations, um, so to figure out which one you are, or which one you're more of in certain situations, just think about your behaviors from the past few weeks, um, do you, you know, things are different now during the pandemic, but do you frequently reach out to your friends, um, or would you rather stay at home with your pets? Uh, do you really like parties, or do you like, or if you prefer smaller groups of people? Do you um, start up conversations in with your Uber driver, or do you prefer that your Uber driver just sits there quietly? Um, if you fall somewhere in the middle of those questions, you might be labeled an ambivert or an extroverted in, in, uh, introvert. Um,
0: so, so, uh, so the. That's interesting in the sense that so I'm, I'm, I wonder if the uh, if the trait approach um, avoids a problem associated with the, like these categories because I would get I would guess be willing to guess that um, if you label someone a trait so you like if in other words if you read about personality, and your conclusion is, I am an introvert, versus understanding it as a trait, something on Mm -hmm. a continuous dimension. If I see it as a label, do you think that that could impact your your approach to new situations moving forward? In the sense that the second I consider myself in that category, that from now on, I'm going to be less likely to, I'm I'm going to be more likely to avoid social situations because I am an introvert. And that's, I read that in a book somewhere. I'm an introvert. I don't, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really like, I don't want to go out. I'll get nervous. Um, So do you think that that by, by conceptualizing it as a label that that could have an influence on your behavior?
1: That's such a great question. Um, So That's And that's a really cognitive question. You know, once you're put into this category, uh, what do you think of yourself? What do others think of you? Do they stigmatize you based on this category? Yeah, that's, that's a real problem. Um, I mean, there's a lot of problems with being put into these categories. Uh, And then the other thing is, if you're just put in a, a category, it's really hard for us to predict Things. It's really hard for us to um, take that category and say, okay, everybody in that category is going to behave this certain way because that's just not true. Uh, so, the, the advantage of the continuous dimensions is we can look at people across the dimension and we can say, okay, people who are higher on extroversion, uh, uh, that rate on the higher end, they have a higher probability of really liking to go out and, and go to parties. and um, Become leaders and, and stuff like that, uh, and people who are more introverted, you know, they have a higher probability of just staying in and wanting to snuggle with their pets and stuff like that. Um, so it it gives you that chance to defy the construct. You know, you you are not necessarily set to be that way for the rest of your life. Um, and and we do see what we call predictive validity, which is probably the most practical use for these measures is trying to predict behavior or trying to predict life outcomes, uh, we can't do that with types because everybody if everybody's just one type and there's only a certain amount of types, uh, it's hard for us to say, okay, these people are definitely going to be like this later in life. Um, The big five and and other things that are on continuous dimensions, it allows us to predict things later in life.
0: So what types of uh, so I, I mean I know that the Big Five items themselves kind of, I mean they ask about situations, right? They're asking about uh, b- behaviors. Sorry, behaviors. Um, what what types of so in terms of the types of things that you can predict with the Big Five, what what are you what are you talking about?
1: Oh my gosh, so much! It is there. The research is just it keeps growing. Um, so. it, it, uh, there's a continuous body of research that just keeps, uh, demonstrating that this, that personality matters, uh, for everything, for your daily behavior, uh, for your, uh, relationships, the, the quality of your relationships, um, for even things you're just posting on social media for, um, your success in the workplace um, your your health at, and how long you live even so yeah that we just keep finding evidence that personality predicts so much uh, so much about us in our and our futures
0: so you said relationships so let's let's talk about that for a second just for fun the so are, are you saying that if I'm uh, low on agreeableness and high on neuroticism, <laughs> that's a catch right that's
1: <laughs> Oh yeah, that's the person you want to find on Tinder for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so there are, you, you, you kind of nailed it. Yeah, the neuroticism is a huge one. Um, so we sometimes call neuroticism the opposite of neuroticism, emotional stability. Um, that's, that's a big one for relationships. People who are more neurotic and, uh, less emotionally stable, they, they struggle. They struggle in all relationships with their family, with their friends, with their romantic partners. Um, And these people really need someone stable to latch onto. They do better in relationships uh, where they have a strong, uh, stable, emotionally stable or less neurotic person to be able to attach themselves to.
0: Now, that being said, um, so that reminds me of the of kind of the old adage of, um, opposites attract. Um, now this is kind of going a little off topic, but, um, do we know if, if people in relationships that match their, uh, their, their big five scale that, that those lead to longer relationships?
1: So it's not necessarily about their big five scale. Uh, what leads to success in a relationship. I mean, the big five scale will definitely affect it. Um, the, like I said, your your neuroticism score, if you're high on neuroticism, that's hard to deal with, with any partner. Um, if you're high, if you're well adjusted or you're lower on neuroticism, you can pretty much deal with a lot of things. Um, but it's not really about the big five. It's more about your values. Um, so that's a, a completely different component of our personalities uh, it affects, it affects our behavior, it affects our personality. or it interacts with our personalities. Um, but if you have similar values, that's what we've been seeing really shows more success in a relationship. So, um, do you, do you really, um, care about family and relationships more? What do you think of your financial security? Do you, uh, do you try to save a lot or, or are you pretty risky with your money? Uh, is that something that's really important to you? Uh, so stuff like that really determines more success in relationships. And then I guess your, your communication style too. So there's a lot of research. Um, uh, Gottman, the Gottman Institute does a lot of research on how you communicate with your partner and, um, healthy communication styles. So, and that's really important for successful relationships.
0: Okay. So circling back to, uh, to the, this construct of personality as being something that describes how you generally behave. Um, ha, what's the best way to think about how personality changes from situation to situation? So if I'm, so for example, we'll just take agreeableness. Suppose that I am, uh, when I'm at work, I am, a, uh, I'm, I'm a very agreeable person. Um, it, is a, it is an important, Thing for, for me to interact when I'm interacting with everyone to, to 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 do the best I can to come to a positive solution and then outside of work I'm not very agreeable um, does does that completely does, does that uh, invalidate the you know the, the whole idea of being agreeable because when most people think personality they think well what what's happening on average but of course if it's on average is very different from, I'm this way at work and I'm this way at
1: home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is, that is the question, Ryan. So (laughs) I have a lot to say about this. I mean, this is, most people are variable in their behaviors. It's unreasonable to assume that people will behave exactly the same in every situation. This is not the case. And there's so much evidence that demonstrates this Um, one theory. So there's a lot of personality theories and we're still struggling with, you know, all these questions, there's evidence for all of them. One theory discusses that each person has their own little density distribution of behavior, so a little bell curve for each dimension, and good personality assessments test for this, um, so that when you're getting results from most personality tests, they're, they're really displaying the average of each of these dimensions. And then, um, you know, most people actually fluctuate on those. So, and, and I've demonstrated a paper that, that, or I've published a paper that demonstrates how much people fluctuate on these, on these different dimensions that, that can actually be predicted by personality that actually relates to your personality. But, uh, but this is the ultimate question of social psychology. What causes people to behave the way they do? And, we call this the person situation debate. Um, so this question is, the person situation debate is all about which is more important. And humans have constantly been having this debate. Um, so, th- so the way I like to think about it, you know, without, without any research support, just responding as a human being, uh, you're, you're in traffic and someone cuts you off. Uh, what do you think of that person? And, or you call, your, you call your doctor's office and the receptionist is really rude on the phone. What do you think of that person? You're walking into a building and someone slams the door in front of you without holding it for you. Uh, most people call these people assholes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they, they, they assume that this is just how that person is. Um, but if you're in traffic and you cut someone off, Uh, maybe you didn't recognize it, or you you were just in a hurry, or you answer the phone and you're really short with the person on the other end, well, maybe you've just had a rough day and you don't have the energy to be nice right now, or you you slam the door, well, I didn't see them, they were too far away, I'm running late. Uh, And this is sometimes called the fundamental attribution error in social psychology. Uh, People have a tendency to blame the person for others' behavior and a tendency to blame the situation for their own behavior. so, so we've been having this struggle with, okay, well, which is it? Is it, is it the person or, or is it the situation? And there's really evidence for both sides. That's what the, one of the crazy questions that we've been trying to struggle with for decades in, in, personality, in personality and social psychology.
0: Yeah. I, I, it, I find it interesting because I, I always thought that, you know, if you can measure, so if, if you can take, um, well, we'll just pick extroverted. Extroversion, for example, uh, just because there's some variation in the type of situation that you're going to be demonstrating your extrovertedness, that doesn't that doesn't change the fact that all of your friends could easily go, "Oh yeah, he's very extroverted." <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Right. So, it, it, so it's almost as 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 though. I try to when I talk about personality, I try to explain that, yes, it is a tendency or an average mm-hmm. and and not to think of it as as those those categories. Um, but I mean, pe- there is evidence that people do generally have these threads throughout their personality, correct? that are that are general that that on average like there is evidence that there are these things called personality traits despite all the variation in the situation right
1: right yes there's there is evidence for that a a ton of evidence for that um and but there's also a ton of evidence for the influence of the situation uh so in in my own research i found that there i found a lot of evidence for um, showing that the situation is powerful for predicting behavior um we can we can measure situations similar to the way we measure personality. This is actually kind of a new develop- newer development in the last couple of decades. Um, we can look at them on situations on several different dimensions, on a bunch of continuous scales, and each situation can get a score on each of those scales. Um, and in my research, I've found that it really comes down to about eight different dimensions, just like the big five, Personality comes down to about five different dimensions. We see so many people have tried to uh, what they call taxonomize personality and situations, basically just putting things onto um, the, the most reasonable number of dimensions. Um, and so, for situations, we find there's about eight of them. Um, and I can go into that if you if you want me to. Yeah.
0: So yeah, let, let's let's talk about that for a second. So the and. and what I'm curious about is before we talk about these eight, mm-hmm. what how do, how do you go about the why isn't there nine or ten right? So um, I, I notice that that when I end up saying well you know there's 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 about five traits and then inevitably you're going to get the question of well what about this like how does that yeah. fit in why, why do we yeah. why do why do we say five traits for the big five and why do we say eight situations for the for the situation scale
1: yeah so this is a question of how do we measure things and and what level do we want to measure things at um so the big five has has been um historically it's been studied for a lot longer than than any of these situation measures um and what we i mean there are probably an infinite number of actual traits or, or maybe not infinite but there's 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 a lot of them, um, and we can look at them in, in terms of the hundreds if we want to, or we can try to cluster those into simpler uh, dimensions. So and we can cluster them into uh, 16 if we wanted to. Uh, there's some measures that actually do that. Or we can, and then if 16 is too much, we can cluster those into fewer and fewer dimensions. Uh, it really comes down to five because, that is the a reasonable, a reasonably small number to measure. Um, we know that uh, repeatedly over time, each of these um, uh, dozens and dozens of traits end up falling into uh, each of these five dimensions. We see that repeatedly, um, and and those are the ones that keep emerging. There's a bunch of different ways to be able to cluster all of these traits into Uh, different dimensions. And that's really what it keeps coming down to. You know, some people say there's five, some people say there's six. Uh, The Hexaco is, is another variation of the big five. Um, But those big five, they're still there. Uh, We've just branched off. Um, Hogan, the Hogan Personality Inventory has, I think, eight of them. And you know, the big five is still there. If you were to cluster some of those eight, it, we're, so we're just breaking it down further and further. Um, so there, there's not really one answer to how many there are, uh, I see. It's more of a, more, a way of simplifying it.
0: Okay. So what are these? What, so how, how do we, how do we think about the, uh, the situation, uh, uh categories that you've uh, studied?
1: Yeah. So people have called them different things. Um, there, there's, a, there's, a lot of research on uh you know what these what these clusters actually end up coming down to uh, in our research we call them the diamonds dimensions of situations um, and di- that diamonds that's another acronym <laughs> uh, and that stands for uh duty so the first the first d is duty um, you know in situations of duty some some sort of work has to be done. Um, there's a job that needs to be done. Uh, then we have intellect. So is that does this situation allow for uh, uh, the exploration of uh, intellectual curiosity or, or academic ideas or scholarly ideas? Uh, we have adversity. Um, some there's a challenge in this situation. Something has to be overcome. Uh, we have mating, which you know meaning it sounds like a very sexual term um but it's it's also about your romantic relationships or potential that, is there a potential for um some sort of romantic interest uh the o the o stands for positivity we're just going to capitalize that oh this is the best <laughs> this is the best way sometimes, yeah, sometimes you have to yeah sometimes you're, gonna make when you're it on... yeah, <laughs> yeah <I agree. laughs> Yeah, so positive situations, you know, things, the is pleasant, it's, it's nice to be in. Uh, then we have negativity, which is, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough situation. There's, uh, it, it's not very pleasant to be in. Uh, the second D is deception. So something is being deceptive, somebody's trying to be deceived, there's a lot of dishonesty going on. And then we have sociality at, for that S at the end, and that's there. There's opportunities for socialization. There's opportunities for um, uh, people to to talk to each other or um, interact in some way.
0: So, so maybe give maybe give an ex- uh, one example of how a personality trait would interact with one of these situations.
1: Okay, well, let's let's cover that interact, that word interact, uh, a little bit later. But, um, when, uh, we see that there are trends in, uh, the ways that situations influence all people. So, um, we'll, we'll talk about interaction soon, but, but just not thinking of any personality differences at all, uh, the situation causes most people to behave or or relates to people behaving in in a certain way, so people in situations of higher duty actually end up working harder. Um, people in uh, situations of deception these people are in, end up showing less honest feel like lower honesty they 're not as honest in situations of deception. Um, in in situations of adversity, people have a lot of negative outcomes, like emotionally negative outcomes, negative behaviors. Um, so so these situations end up influencing all people or most people in in similar ways. So we know that's how we know that there is strength in the situation, um, as well as strength in personality, uh, it, it, because we can see it does it not necessarily depend, it does not necessarily depend on the person. Um, All situations uh, influence all people uh, in similar ways.
0: So let's, so let's, let's speculate a little bit. So we're currently in the middle of a pandemic. um, And I would imagine that, that this is a Uh, a unique situation. It probably fits into one of these, uh, one of these letters here. Um, Mm -hmm. How might personality interact with this, with this situation that we're in? Because, you know, my first thought, uh, for example, is uh, how extroversion interacts with the situation. So um, currently, uh, we're we're not actually quarantined, but' it's generally recommended to avoid going out unless you have to. You should wear a mask, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, my first thought would be, um, with regards to extroversion, if you're extroverted, this is this is going to be extremely stressful, right? this is going this is going to be particularly hard on you because you like to go out and socialize and be around other people and that is extremely difficult versus if you're introverted um it uh and you like to be at at home a little bit more often that this is going to make you it, it's just not quite as difficult because um because you don't mind sitting at home and you don't mind the lack of interaction i know i've talked to friends and they at the beginning of, of quarantine they're like, I love it. I love it. I get to stay at home and no, <laughs> one, no one yells at me that I have to come out and, and have a drink. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question and actually very time relevant because my, my colleague, Rachel Pauletti and I are actually, we've, we're doing a study on this. We're in the, we're right in the middle of it. Um, and we've got some preliminary results. Um, so it, we find find some different surprising things. So, um, you know, we do see that the power of the situation, everybody's kind of struggling with this, you know, it's not, before we even talk about how different personality types or personality traits affect how we're coping with it, everybody's kind of struggling with, uh, the pandemic, you know, our, men- our mental health is dipping a little bit, you know, our relationships are maybe starting to struggle um, we're getting bored. We're getting tired, and we're, our work might may or may not be affected. Um, uh, most people seem to be following the appropriate protocol. Uh, they've we we've me- we measured uh, what a- what people are actually doing in their daily lives in in this study, and uh, most people have switched from in-person interactions to online interactions, whether it's in their social lives or in the workplace. Uh, but we do see some. Uh, person situation interaction here. Um, And it may not be exactly what you expect. So when we went into this, uh, we did have some hypotheses, uh, just like you. We we said, okay, certain people probably do struggle a little more than others, uh, the longer they're in quarantine and the more strict their quarantine. Um, So we, and our hypothesis was exactly the same as yours for extroversion. It was extroverts are really gonna struggle. They're not able to connect with others. They're not able to go out and do all the fun things that they want to do. Can't just go grab a drink at a bar uh, with our buddies. Um, But actually the crazy thing is, Ryan, we see the opposite. Um, The longer that people are in quarantine, Extroverts end up thriving. Uh, so we we measured their uh, their daily affect, their life satisfaction, um, and a lot of things that really just measure, hey, how are you doing right now? Um, and extroverts end up doing better compared to their peers, not not necessarily compared to themselves, because everybody seems to be as they, as they go on, everybody seems to be struggling a little bit more, but extroverts, um, they, they actually end up doing a little bit better, and introverts are not so good, they're actually the ones struggling, uh, you know, you would think, okay, introverts, they're staying home, they're watching Netflix, they don't have to talk to people, we can just hang out with our cats, uh, and that, that doesn't necessarily seem to be the case, and we think, that's because you know extroverts they still have that drive to connect with people. So so uh, you know I, I'm saying extroverts versus introverts, but what I really mean is people who are higher on extroversion or, or lower on extroversion. Um, so extroverts they find ways to connect. They'll they'll still schedule those Zoom sessions or those those house party sessions, play games with their friends. And introverts they they don't have that drive to connect. They think that they don't need it, and then really they're missing out on that that social connection. We also see things, um, for neuroticism. We see some person-situation interaction for neuroticism. Uh, people who are higher on neuroticism end up thriving the longer they're in quarantine, um, and low-end, low neuroticism, they're not, they're not doing very well. And we think that's probably because, um, and then, you know, if you're neurotic, you don't want to be exposed to coronavirus. You are super anxious about it. You're scared about getting sick. You're scared about getting other people sick. Um, and so we think that the longer you're in quarantine, hey, I feel safer. I'm, I'm doing just great. And then the low neuroticism, people are like, why, why are we even doing this? I'm, I'm, I'm going to be just fine.
0: That is super interesting because yeah. it, it does make a little bit, yeah, the, the situation of being isolated does kind of cater itself to someone that would be considered emotionally unstable in, in, in because, or unstable because they're allowed to, they're allowed to stay at home and they don't have to, they, they're basically not getting a ton of outside pressure to go out and, and socialize. But yeah, I guess the, uh, I guess if you're, if you're high on emotional, if you're, if you're very emotionally stable, yeah, it, it is. I mean I, I know that in, in terms of my big five ratings, I'm very high on um I'm very low on neuroticism, very emotionally yes. stable. Yes, I can and, tell
1: that about you. <laughs> yeah,
0: and it, it is um uh it's hard to understand the chaos and the and the um and the nervousness that's going around. And and I feel like the odd one out who's not <laughs> freaking out. And and there's there's like that inconsistency, which kind of makes sense with what you're what you're uh, purportedly saying that you're seeing in the data.
1: Yeah, that's so funny because I am the absolute opposite of you on neuroticism. I am extremely high on neuroticism. I'm a germaphobe, uh, <laughs> and I go to the doctor when I when any tiny little thing is wrong, um, and I'm. I feel like the odd one out because I see all these people going out and about and you know going back to daily life and I'm like oh where are your masks and why are we going back to school and work and yeah so yeah. I definitely see differences. And then so, we also we have one more one more thing with uh, conscientiousness. We see one more interaction in, with conscientiousness, um, and people who are higher on conscientiousness end up not doing so well uh, the longer they're in quarantine and the more strict their their social distancing. Uh, and then the lower conscientiousness people, uh, they seem to be pretty good. And we yeah. think that's probably because they're you know, the lower conscientious people are like, well, hey, I can just Netflix and chill all the time. I don't have to work mm-hmm. very hard. And and high conscientious people are like, oh my God, I have so much work to get done. How am I going to do all of this if nothing's open and I can't interact with my colleagues and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah,
0: yeah, you, you, it's too difficult to, uh, to juggle all of the factors playing in of, of you have to get work done and be safe. And yeah, I can see that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so um there's uh one last thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap up and that is um uh in terms of studying and measuring personality uh originally we had a lot of surveys that was generally you know that's generally how personality would be would be studied um but um you I know personally have used uh, some more advanced techniques um you know whether it's um uh, I know the technology and social media makes it a lot easier to use newer methods for studying personality, but could you talk about some of the trends and the tools advancement in the tools associated with measuring personality?
1: Yeah, there's so much going on right now and it just keeps developing faster and faster as technology develops faster and faster. Um, so some of the cool things that, uh, that are going on right now um, are, are basically ways to assess personality in real time. So, like you said, we used to just, uh, and we still do, uh, use personality surveys. That's a very, very easy way to get insight into somebody's personality, either person, a person uh, taking the survey themselves or having someone who knows them or a colleague or somebody else assessing themselves. Um but we have these ways now of assessing it in real time and we call these experience sampling or daily diary studies or ambulatory assessment. There's a lot of names for what, for what this goes by. Um, but it's basically saying, you know, what are you doing every day? Let's just take a, a snapshot of, of your behavior and see if that actually uh, relates to your personality and it does. Um, so, my, my graduate advisor was one of the first ones uh, that I ever in, encountered doing this, um, where uh, he had a study where he uh, uh, get, gave people surveys every day. It was, it was just a survey that was pushed to their phone and it said, hey, what are you doing right now? Um, and people would just say really quickly, like, here's, here's my behavior. This is what I'm doing. This is the situation I'm in. Uh, We got a lot of cool things from that study. That was, you know, we, we showed in that study that um, your behavior is highly related to your personality. So um, people who are, who, who score higher on, on these um, surveys in like extroversion, they actually in real life, they end up actually displaying a lot of extroverted behavior. Um, and then cool. we also saw, yeah, was we, we also saw like a lot of, uh, and we saw that for every big five dimension so that it is actually displayed in real life. So that, that shows us that personality really matters. But then we also saw that situation, like so we, this is where we saw the situations matter too. Um, I had a paper from that study, um, about authenticity and, you know, if, what makes you feel, good and what makes you feel authentic like you're behaving authentically and uh you know how how can we help people feel authentic is it really when they're behaving true to themselves um but in this paper uh we found that it really depends on the situation if you're in a a positive and comfortable situation you feel like you can be yourself more Uh, so that that uncovered so that even that just simple survey method uncovered a lot of some really cool stuff. Uh, I have another one that I'm working on right now with um, some of my colleagues uh, where we put uh, little uh, cameras on people's collars and the people wore these cameras throughout the day and we could actually see what was going on uh, from the participants point of view. So so you're you're,
0: you're you're, uh, essentially using the camera as a a, you're sampling video to, to, to look at, to see how that relates to the, the survey items?
1: Yeah. So that this, this study, it was just, um, a series of pictures. It took a picture every 30 seconds. So this was a way instead of, um, us just asking people, Hey, what are you doing? Cause that might be, that might be influential, influential. Like people might think they're, you know, they're experiencing a certain type of situation and then when everybody else in that situation is seeing it in a completely different way. Um, so that actually helped us get an objective view of what's going on in that situation and, and kind of how the people in that situation are behaving. Um, so that one's still in progress. We're, we're seeing very similar things to uh, the, the survey study where we gave surveys um, multiple times a day uh, to people's cell phones. Uh, there's a study, there's a famous study where, uh, they attached a device, which, uh, appropriately is called the ear, uh, to, to, participants, and then it eavesdropped on participants' conversations throughout the day, um, and we saw that personality was so influential in how many words people even use, uh, like extroverts use a lot more words, they talk a lot more, um. And you know what type of words people use, like positive and negative words. Uh, we have all these smartphone apps that that we can use. People have their phones on them all the time. They have their Apple watches or their smart watches uh, tracking their exercise, their heart rate, their breathing. This all is related to personality. And then in my my most recent study that was just published, um, we have social with social media. Social media can tell us so much about a person. Um, people, you know, in their browsing history and their Facebook likes in, in the photos they post, they're leaving all of these, what we call digital footprints online. And these are just little clues to other people about who you are and taking them all together. We can actually see, um, a lot about a person. So like in this, in this social media paper that uh, we just published, um, you know, people who score higher on narcissism, so that's kind of like being all about yourself and, um, uh, you know, really thinking highly of yourself. Um, people who are higher on narcissism, they post more selfies. They don't, they don't post a lot of photos of nature. Um, they, in their photos, they appear to be behaving more conscientious, more extroverted, more open. Whether they're actually behaving that way, I'm not sure. Um so is, the, who, so is the, yeah go ahead
0: just the I'm curious um uh, is there is there anything is there anything surprising that you would not expect uh from the from the social media research because you know i I think like you know if I'm a lay person and i and I listen to some research on social media and personality, I might say. Well, yeah. Okay, so they're socializing more. That means they're 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 more extroverted, right? Uh, you know, big duh or whatever, <laughs> Yeah. But, right? So, um, could you talk a little bit about um, about the, the the value associated with this, and maybe maybe give an example of something that that you wouldn't expect from from that?
1: Yeah. So generally, it's it is what you expect, uh, which is really cool um, in itself uh, because people. people seem to be authentic online for the most part there's there is some of that um oh yeah you can
0: believe everything i put online (laughs) the the life that i put online is is exactly how i am in real life
1: right (laughs) (laughs) um so there yes there is a little bit of that self-presentation or you know trying to impress people whatever um but the you know it's easy for a person to look at somebody's profile and, and say, okay, they're, you know, they're posting all this negative stuff, they're, they're complaining a lot, they're probably not the most emotionally stable. Um, but the cool thing uh, that's coming out now is that there's all of these other subtle, little subtle cues um, that people don't necessarily see, that computers are able to see, Uh, that can help us very, very quickly in an instant, in an instant, be able to determine someone's psychological profile. Um, so that's the stuff that is, that's kind of scary. Um, and it kind of makes you hesitant about what you're posting because even if you don't, uh, I think I froze for a second. Okay. Even if you don't know, um, the, what, what message you're trying to convey, uh, you, you still might be conveying some sort of message in there. Um, so people, uh, let's see. So some of the things like, um, we can classify things as like political posts, uh, people who, who post fewer, uh, political posts are, end up being more agreeable in person. Um, you know, some, and sometimes, You know, you see agreeable political posts, but it's really about the quantity of what you're posting there. Um, people who post photos of themselves, like, partially clothed, so without a shirt on, or in a bikini, or, um, or maybe even fully naked, uh, they, they rate, uh, lower on conscientiousness. It's probably some artifact of professionalism, uh, but the biggest message that we get from this is be careful what you're posting. Uh, because even if it's not directly visible, uh, we have all of these new algorithms and artificial intelligence that can deduce a lot about you, uh, from these tiny little cues that are posted on your profile.
0: Well, I, I think that the terrifying thought that my home assistant, uh, my digital (laughs) home assistant knows me better than, than, uh, My friends and family is the perfect thought to go out on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I can't say the robots are coming for us. (laughs) I
0: I can't say my Amazon assistant's name because I don't want it to interrupt the interview. But (laughs) 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 Um, but, uh uh, thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your day uh to talk about personality. Um I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, this was fun.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to episode 2 of the podcast. Uh, for more on Bell, uh, you can look up uh, two of her current publications. One of them is called Personality Assessment Through the Situational and Behavioral Features of Instagram Photos in the European Journal of Personality. The other is entitled The Expanding Class Divide and Happiness in the United States from 1972 to 2016, and that's published in the Journal Emotion. She's also currently working on a study about how different personalities are affected by the pandemic. We touched on that a bit in our discussion. And if you would like to contact Bell for any further information, you can email her at bcooper at lynn.edu. That's bcooper at lynn.edu. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please check out episode one, where I interviewed Dr. Dr. Todd Shackleford. Uh, We discussed evolutionary psychology in that discussion. Uh, You can find us on Apple Podcasts. If you listen there, please hit subscribe. Perhaps give us a rating if you uh, enjoyed the first two episodes. Uh, You can also find us on Spotify. And if you have an Amazon device at home, you can simply say, Alexa, play Why Do We Do That? and listen that way. Uh, You can contact me via email at why do we do that podcast at gmail.com that's why do we do that podcast at gmail.com and you can also visit our Facebook page for more information and uh, episode updates until next time I'm Dr. Ryan Moyer hoping you got some answers to the question why do we do that